Hello and welcome to Anime to Z, the podcast dedicated to all things anime. I'm Shay Lingo, I'm a rapper and musician, and I definitely stand anime as much as I can. Aww, and I'm Beck Hill, I'm a comedian, writer, and artist, and I stand anime. I like that though. I like that. That's like, anime. Yeah, I like that. I'm into that. I'm yeah, into that. we'll make it happen. Yeah. So something we learned a few episodes ago mm-hmm. when we had the Viking expert Roderick Bale come mm-hmm. on. Yeah, and one of the things he talked about was how Vikings are huge fans of heirlooms. So I was wondering, what do you have that you would pass on to future generations other than your winning smile? Ah, uh, you're so sweet. My music, my discography. I don't mean your legacy, though. I mean an heirloom. An heirloom. I mean... I I find this funny because I don't think I own anything that anyone would be like... I know that a friend of mine has, like, bagsied a coat of mine if I die. Okay, I have have a car... We did did a project with Cartier in 2019. Wow. uh, Where they created this crimson, red, and gold, and black vinyl that they asked for one of my songs to be on for their uh, Cartier London's Sounds of the City type uh, soundtrack that they put together and they gifted... 100 they gave the 250 limited edition to like the russell brands and the derma o'leary's and uh etc etc yeah yeah like famous people and they sent they sent out the ones the people that couldn't attend the event they sent them the vinyl along with a vinyl player uh, like a a cream white vinyl that's so can i can i is is baller the correct term for that yes yes that is so baller yeah yeah yeah. it is um it's very very (laughs) i'm trying to pick up your like lingo yeah yeah hey oh my gosh and you're you're going with the puns yeah yeah yeah. a little little bit you've run we would have completely swapped we we would have fused by the end of this like on some dragon (laughs) z shit yeah yeah so i think i think i'm gonna i cherish that that vinyl that was the first work I did with like a high-end luxury brand as well. Mm. So prior to that, I'd only worked with like, uh, well, not only, but I'd worked with respective high street brands. Asda. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds of the supermarket. Asda, shout me, shout me. Uh, <laughs> I, I get those gingerbread people off the shelf for you. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a great experience. And it was a lovely uh, moment for me and a producer who made who I made the song with is uh, called Circles. It actually just hit a million streams the other day. So Wow. Big up, big up. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I would definitely pass that that vinyl on because there's yeah. a limited edition amount. There's yeah. literally only 250 made in there by Cartier. So that is an heirloom. Yeah, I'd yeah. pass that down to my children. Totally. Kind of makes my collection of human teeth seem a bit weird. Stop that right now. What would you pass down? <laughs> I mean, ov- there's obvious like jewelry and things like that. Oh, it'd be my flip charts. That okay. I use in my stand-up and everything because they like because oh, I've got like over twenty of them now or something, but they're all like one of a kind. I yeah. only make one, you know, and then when it breaks, I fix it. So yeah, I I mean, explain what a flip chart is. Oh yeah, so in my stand-up, I um, use like an A2 uh, sketchbook that's got like a spiral bound spiral bound uh, along the top, and I use like a flip chart mm-hmm. in stand-up. But I basically do. I call it paper puppetry. It's kind of like live animation. So it's sort of like a two-dimensional pop-up in that it's got tabs and stuff. So when you pull stuff, things move. Sick. I do a lot of misheard lyrics stuff. There's like a, t- like a bunch of those. And yeah. every now and then someone's like, oh, would you ever sell it? And I'm like, no, because I need it to make my money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you think you pass those down as heirlooms to your children? Yeah. That'll well, yeah, no, I'm not going to have kids, but, you know, maybe someone else's kids. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair yeah. Enough. Somebody in the family. Someone will I mean? want it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Mm. 
yeah, so we also discovered that in the Viking times, there was different names for swords. Oh, yeah. Legbiter being one of the more um, prolific ones that, that we spoke good. about last time it's on the really show. really nice. If you had a sword, what would you name it, Beck? Keith. I really, oh, I was going to say, I really regret asking this question. <laughs> I like, I'm setting my soul, I'm walking into it. I'd be like, why oh, would you Keith's... name your sword Keith? Why wouldn't you? Keith's going to get you. Watch out. Bro, man. Keith is angry. Here comes Beck and Keith. I'll call I call it Shay if you want. No, keep Keith. Keep I don't think I want you swinging me around. Do you know? What I mean? <laughs> a bit um, like Thorkel does in this episode. Trust Ayo. me, that was good. That was really good. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks. That was that was probably one of your more tasteful jokes. Thank you. <laughs> what would you call your sword? Tell me what you call your sword. Um, I would call my sword the pen. <laughs> <laughs> because it's mightier than the sword. That's nice. All right, well, uh, moving on. Today we're discussing episode nine of Vinland Saga, season one, The Battle of London Bridge, yep. which is streaming right now on Prime Video. And as usual, if you find some spoilers lurking in the podcast, uh, you're going to have to deal with it or you're going to have to turn off right now or pause and go and watch the episode. And then come back. When you're caught up. Yeah, yeah. Don't leave. Okay, Shay. Mm -hmm. So this episode is the Battle of London Bridge. Mm -hmm. Hit us with a summary. Okay, so Ashalad and the guys are going, are heading over to London. They get there and they realise how kind of, they it's more of a fortress than it is a bridge. And they kind of riff about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Ashalad and Torofin have a little moment where Ashalad continues to kind of poke fun at Torofin's dad. Yeah. And he doesn't really, Torofin doesn't really have it. He, he just reminds him like, bro, I'm only here to kill you. Just remember that. And I mm. swear on my dad's, grave i'm mm. gonna make sure you die and ashlad kind of just accepts very coolly and calmly like he does he says all right cool let's do it and they have a little throwing of dagger game yeah, between yeah. them so a little they passive aggressive throw daggers at each other you know what i mean a little passive aggressive like murder moment and all of this happens because ashlad tells torfin if you want another duel with me go and bring me the head of torkel which we've obviously just seen is strong enough Huge. to throw an axe through 16 guys with yeah. one one swing and I don't even think that's his full capacity. Do you know what I mean? His mm. full full potential. He hasn't gone, for want of a better phrase, Super Saiyan yet. So yes. We also see Floki pop back up on scene with some of the Yom's Vikings under uh, Swain's rule. He basically pulls up and tries to re-recruit Torkoal. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because Torkoal was originally a part of Swain's army mm. and he got bored. And yeah. he decided that this isn't going to be fun. He basically runs Floki away by throwing a, a boulder like maybe six or seven times the size of himself yeah. at Floki's boat. when it's the first Floki, time I've seen Floki scared. Do you know what I mean? Like Floki was completely thrown off and nearly thrown off physically of that mm. boat. Yeah, Torkoal throws the massive boulder at Floki and signifies and kind of cements the nail in the coffin of like, I, I, I am on the English side right now because I'm bored and I, I need a good battle and I'm not going to get that because... King Swain's army always wins and I don't want to always win. I want to, I want to, I want to work for my, yeah, I want to work for my victories. You know what I mean? Mm. He's definitely going to Valhalla. Do you know what I'm saying? Floki gets scared and runs away. Yeah. <laughs> First time I've seen Floki scared. Yeah. Just kind of really flustered by how insanely strong Torkel is. So Floki flees, I'm going to say, back to King Swain with his tail between his legs and says, oh, um, like, 
he doesn't want to come back with us I offered <laughs> him double but he said no and he just wants to fight and whatever whatever and King Swain is like alright cool go back with immediate effect keep the war going do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean it's time now no hesitation no delay as he gives that order we enter back into the fray of London Bridge with Torfin and Torfin meets Torkel for the first time uh, on Ashalad's orders to so bring good. back his head and they have an epic battle Ah, oh, it's so good. On another kind of bridge balcony situation. Oh, yeah. Similar to when he went to get the head of the captain no, in right. the previous episode. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think that battle was so, so epic because it was literally like a agility and brains versus strength and brawn type situation. Mm. But again, Torkel definitely has more battle experience than Torfin. Yeah. Um, it's very clear by the decisions that he makes. And I think that's a I think I that's what I love about this um this show. But we'll get into that a little bit more later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Torfin does a couple of moves. Mm. Busts, busts a couple of moves and cuts off a couple of souvenirs. Um <laughs> Souvenirs, I love it. Cuts a couple of souvenirs off of, off of uh Torkel's hand, which he's completely unfazed by, and even yeah. waves him away with uh, the same hand. So gross. Bro, someone cuts two of your fingers off and you wave them away. He respects back later yeah like he respects Torfin so so much yeah that's that's my recap nice that was solid well I'm very excited for our context segment today because we have a very special guest drum roll please that's my drum roll Joining us on Animator Z to provide some historical context is archaeologist, author, and broadcaster, Kat Jarman. Hi. So before you school us in the way of the Viking, we know you just published a book recently called River Kings. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it explores? Yeah, so River Kings is trying to be a little bit of a new way of looking at the Vikings, really. And I'm trying to just bring in all the new and exciting evidence that we know. Because obviously we've been interested in the Vikings for you know hundreds of years. But in the last decade or so, there's so much new science. There's new things like DNA, stuff we can tease out of bones and new discoveries. So it's completely and radically changed our view of the Vikings. And we now know so much more about about the global reach of them. So it's not just a story of going to the West and raiding England and all those traditional stories, but it's actually one that stretches all the way to, to the East and to the Silk Roads. So that's really what the book is about. That's awesome. Actually, I, that leads me to ask, because this episode of Vinland Saga is set in 1013. I don't even know how you'd say that. 1013? 1013 is good. 1013 works. Yeah, good. Yeah. It's from an archaeologist. It's correct. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about what Vikings were like at that actual time? Yeah, so that's an interesting time because it's actually towards the end of the Viking Age. The Viking Age typically, we say, ends in about 1066 with the Norman invasion. So it's been going on for more than 300 years. So the Vikings are kind of old news by then. And actually, it's uh, it sort of changed quite a lot. We see them at the beginning, at the end of the 8th century. It's the sort of first appearance of these people that we end up calling the Vikings who really are just Scandinavians um, going uh, out and abroad. But by this point in 1013, they've pretty much reached as far as they can reach. So they've gone extremely far to the west, uh, to the south and to the east. And in England, especially, which I know that this particular episode is about, uh, they are just a a part of the fabric, really. They've been here for for several hundred years. They've settled. So you get Scandinavians, uh, especially in the north and east. You actually have what later become known as the Dane law. So you get this division in almost half of, of England that's essentially Scandinavian territory. And the impact is just huge. So things like English language has so many words, things like sky, knife and egg. These are all 
Viking words, basically, what? that come Egg from that. Egg is a Viking word. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So they kind of, they've had this huge, big impact, really. Um, but also there's this big transformation going on in the Viking Age. So Scandinavia has gone from being all these tiny little kingdoms and, and lots of little sort of kings and uh, with small territories to developing into the, the countries of Norway, Sweden and Denmark. That only really happens around the year 1000. So this is all quite new. And that is actually of importance for what happens in, in sort of 1013. So we've talked briefly on the podcast before about what Vikings hope to achieve by invading England. Can you elaborate on and maybe like shed some light on what the motivations were behind their campaigns? Yeah, so again, as I, as I was saying earlier, this has really been going on for quite a long time now. And in the earliest part of the Viking Age, it's a little bit more sort of hit and run. You just go over and find a, an empty monastery or, you know, where you can just get stuff and take it home. Uh, and then in uh, the late 9th century onwards, they start to, to become more interested in political conquest. So they start looking for land, territory and settlement. And by the time we get to uh, about the year 1000, that's been really successful. So you've got all these people uh, settled here. And you also have actually in a lot of parts of, of England, and you have Scandinavians in charge, so in places like Northumbria, for example. And um, so that sort of whole political background is quite important. But you then also uh, have these new kingdoms forming in Scandinavia. So there are people there who want power, they want money, they want a lot of things, and they can get a lot of that in England. <laughs> so that's quite a key uh, importance. And if we're thinking about 1013, we've got to go back uh, a couple of decades to the 990s when they start doing something very clever. They start to go into battle, uh, win the battle, and then demand what's called tributes and demand something called Danegeld, which is essentially just money to, to go away. So they're, right. they're sort yeah. of, yeah, instead of get just paid doing... Off. You get paid off, and um, and that starts to bring in vast quantities of money, and uh, and it's very successful. So you have all these different motives. You've got you know wanting political conquest, you're wanting the territory, you want to be king, but you or, you know if that fails, you can just get lots of money, take it back, and become someone big back home. That's what I've been it's trying kind to of do. A full foolproof plan, now, isn't it? I need to stay and I conquer this, and this is mine now. Or you can pay me more money after I've stolen all your money and whatever. Go and find more money and pay me to go away. Yeah. And then I'll go away. That's my stand-up style. Is that, <laughs> you know, people, if people don't like it, then I'm not letting them leave until they pay me. Until they pay <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Even though they've paid for the ticket to come see the show in the first place. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like perfect Viking strategies. You know me. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, good. You got some Viking jeans in you, though. <laughs> don't we all? For real. I, my, my knowledge of history is awful, and I've been, uh, uh, this has been a fun lesson in trying to work out what is based on truth and what isn't. So the Battle of London Bridge, not a real thing? Not, no, uh, not really. Damn. Uh, might have happened, but we have absolutely no evidence that it did. The problem with these is that uh, a lot of these stories are written in the 12th century. They're sagas. So the sagas written in Iceland, they're essentially historical fiction. So it's a bit like me writing a book about the Tudors or something, like a, a fiction book. And it might have, it might be real, but there will be events that I've made up. And this is essentially the same thing. So we know there were attacks on London. We know the Vikings did come. So a lot of that story is true, but there was no certain battle like that that we know about. So that's kind of the problem. And it's really difficult to, to 
untangle them and sort of say what was actually real and what wasn't. We know that there were bridges in London and, and the whole nursery rhyme, London Bridges Falling Down, is said to have come from this whole event. But again, we don't know if that's true. But there certainly were bridges there. We know that from archaeology. We know the, the Vikings came up the River Thames and they, they tried to attack. So they may well have done quite, quite sort of similar things. But yeah, unfortunately, that story as it goes is very much a story. Wow. Hmm. Education. Sorry. <laughs> I hate being the person to always bust No, do you know, we've had, we've had a few myths busted on the show in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, berserkers. Um, yeah, berserkers never ate mushrooms. That wasn't really a thing, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, nah, it's good. I mean, it's good to be woken up to the truth, I guess, <laughs> about, about what I've been taught. It's all a lie. Yeah. It's all a lie. Getting back onto Vinland Saga as a series, we have the two new characters that have been introduced, Prince Canute and Ragnar Lodbrok. Who were they and what were they most notable for? Yeah, so one of those is definitely real and the other probably isn't. So starting with the one that he probably isn't is, is Ragnar Lothbrok. And yeah. so, yeah, Ragnar, I mean, he's again from a saga, so uh, we don't quite know what's true. Most of it clearly is uh, is made up. He In the sagas, he is the father of some very notorious and very famous brothers, including Ivor the Boneless. Ah. And they're the ones who are um, from the, the series, the TV series Vikings as well. He features in there. I helped make the baby on that. What? When I say that, my friend does the prosthetics for the show. Not what I had in mind when he said yeah, that. Yeah, what? You're, you are Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, no, not like actual, yeah. I just realised how that sounds. You're here for the chaos, I've realised. Why I say that, I helped make an umbilical cord. That's what I did. And it was Ivan the Boneless's umbilical cord. That is crazy. Anyway, so... Yeah, I'm not sure how to come back from that. But yeah, okay. So back, yes, Vikings. So these sons were quite notorious. Again, they may or may not be real. We know that a lot of them, uh, people like... There wasn't Ivar. There was uh, Halfdan. These are meant to be the sons of, of Ragnar. And they are associated with the Great Heathen Army, which uh, we know is a real thing and which attacked uh, England in the 9th century. And this was really that first time that somebody came over for deliberately certainly for uh, the, with the aim of political conquest. So that's that's all that is on the real side. And Ragnar is this legendary father of this whole, essentially, uh, set of brothers that, that really take over all of England. The, the problem is when you get these sagas and then you have no other sources to corroborate it, then it's, it's really difficult to know if it's true. But if we move on to, to Knut, he definitely is real. And he became one of the most successful Viking kings, really. He became the king and ruler of England, Norway, Sweden and Denmark all at the same time. So all at once. He's, yeah, all at once. And so he, yeah, absolutely. And also a great source of income for him, especially England, <laughs> because he could yeah. take advantage. He got vast quantities, um, vast amounts of tax. Uh, squeezed out of England, actually. How did you know that he was real? Did you find his driver's license or something? Yeah, yeah, personally found yeah. that. Verify. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Knut was here, it said. No, <laughs> we have so many sources about him, so lots of written records, and he's got coins with his name on them and, and that sort of thing, which is close to a driver's license, really, I That's suppose. That's when you know you've made it. Yeah, if you got your own car in coins, then that's, that's kind of it. But yeah, so he, interestingly, he was also from a really famous family. He was the grandson of somebody who was called Harold Bluetooth, who was uh, the person that the Bluetooth technology in your phone is named after. What? And if you know, wait, wait, a little is symbol. Wait, is the Bluetooth Lego? Is that like a Norse symbol or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the rune. Oh, that makes so much sense. No, I have to give you a high five for that. That was, that yeah, was, that was very, very astute. That was very astute observation. Thank well you. done. That was amazing, man. 
damn, that crest. made so much sense. Yeah, so he was the the runes are the H and the B stuck together. So if you look at it on your phone, there's an H on the left and then a B on the right. It's gonna be a bunch the... of listeners now just like staring at their phones. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason is because he was credited with uniting Denmark into one kingdom. So Bluetooth technologies were meant to unite us all together. Oh. And that's wow. why it's got Bluetooth's name. But anyway, that was Knut's grandfather. So he comes from a good family. Um, his dad, Svein, uh, also successfully uh, invaded uh, England, but only very briefly for like a, a year or less than a year. And then Knut comes along and essentially takes on that job, really. And he's the one that succeeds. And he becomes a hugely successful uh, king. He's got uh, two wives, lots of different children, and they become very successful too. So, yeah, he's, he's kind of the success story of the Viking kings, I think. Sounds wow. like a bit of a golden boy. Yeah. Absolutely. Did he have a brother? <laughs> I didn't mean uh, that for yeah. me. Because <laughs> no, in the show, he has a brother. He <laughs> does have a few brothers. We don't we don't know quite so much about them, but he was really the one. His brother seems to have ruled Denmark for a little bit, but then it's Knut who, who sort of is the golden boy. And finally, can you tease one more epic or surprising story you discovered about Vikings in research and in your book? Yeah. Oh, gosh, which one to pick? Uh, quite a lot of them. But I think if we go, if we stick with this theme of some of these rulers and kings and things and the, the attacks, I a lot of my research was a site called Repton in Derbyshire, which was one of the Viking camps of the Great Heathen Army. So this army that came in allegedly by um, Ragnar's sons. And I've worked on some bones from there, lots of graves. But what I do is working on human remains. So I look at evidence for where people grew up and what they ate and everything, which is teasing out. You basically are like a, a sort of walking diary of your entire life we can tell so much from your bone and skin and teeth which is great but anyway so uh two of these burials were one of the most famous viking warriors in the whole of england uh was a raptor warrior he was buried with with a sword he was buried with lots of grave goods severe injuries including most likely having his penis cut off Whoa. and a boar's tusk placed uh, between his legs to to replace it apparently oh. <laughs> well it's just sort of somebody caring about what happens in the afterworld he goes to valhalla presumably and um so somebody kindly tried to make is that where complete. we get the term given the horn from <laughs> i don't think so but it's a good uh, it's a good uh, interpretation but yeah so that was uh, in itself really interesting but he was buried next to another man a younger man and it was usually it was thought for a long time that the younger man was his, his slave or his weapon bearer or something like that. This was sort of a big, important guy, a ruler. But then we did some DNA analysis on the two of them, and it turned out that they're actually father and son. Oh, nice. So they were buried side by side, and that was the first time ever we've been able to prove a father and son being buried together in a Viking grave. Wow. And that was really incredible, uh, because we know so much, all these sagas and everything talk about family in yeah. the Viking age, and you know, all these family relationships are so important. So to find them and to be able to prove, uh, and we can see where they're from as well, so they're most likely from southern Denmark. So here you've got these real Viking uh, Scandinavian probably highly important you know chief or something like that coming in being buried next to his son which i just thought was a really awesome story that is epic that is definitely an epic story um, and a surprising <laughs> one at that if we want to find out more your book is called river kings and it it's is. on the sunday times bestseller list Ooh. yeah just which is just the biggest dream so yeah it's wonderful yeah Congratulations. so exciting Congratulations. so i'm guessing people can find that wherever they can find good books and are you on social Absolutely. media I am. I am on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, just search for Kat Jarman and I will be there. Beautiful. Thank right. you so much for joining us today.
No, my pleasure. So it's time for us to discuss the more in-depth side of this episode. Beck, what do you think of Torkel as a character? How do you feel about him? He's chaotic, mm-hmm. is what he is. He's fun to watch, though. I like him. That fight scene was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I know I'm sort of jumping ahead here, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's so important because it's the first time, I believe, mm. since the duel between uh, Thoros and Ashalad that we've seen two fighters uh, where we've had their inner commentary during it. Like, okay. properly. Yeah. And there's been a couple of bits and pieces in other fights, but yeah. this one has Everything a else similar... has been a bit more reactive. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, you've just seen the actions and you've seen the other, the, the opposition react to yeah. the reactions, but this one is a lot more considered. I've told yeah, you, like yeah, we heard it, Thorkel's in a sort of monologue sort Mm-mm. of saying, oh, okay, he's faster than I thought and Mm-mm. all that, but he's Mm-mm. like impressed and Mm-mm. excited. And then you get over to Thorfinn and he's like, okay, I need to attack. You yeah. know, I need to get higher by attacking lower. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just really, I, again, it's the same thing that I loved about the the duel with Thoros is that it's uh, it's like watching chess. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah. It's, I, I thought it was a really good way of showing how far along Thorfinn is coming along yeah. in his mastery of of fights. Yeah, I think even when, even if you skip back a little bit to when um, he fought, when Bjorn kind of evaluated him and just realized that some of the decisions he was making when he was dueling with Ashlad were just more mature decisions to make as a warrior. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like he's he's very rapidly, and if you fast forward back to his fight with Torkel, he's he's very rapidly learning how to navigate the stage of battle and how to adjust. He's got a very high battle IQ, like a very high fighting IQ. <laughs> and he's he's learning how to navigate the like stage that is battle in a unique way for every individual opponent. Do you know what I mean? He's not just getting used to fighting Ashlad and just killing like random grunts. He's able to pivot and 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 kind of he has a great acumen for 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 fights. To the point where fight one between him and him and Torkel, he cuts off his fingers. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just again I just Which can't I can't get over that. We saw him doing mm. two episodes prior. When he cut he cuts off the uh, crossbow. Oh yes, the crossbow guy. So it's guy. almost like we're start, we're starting to see like how he's he does a move and then yes. he learns on top of the move. Yes, you know, like. that's very true. He actually he's actually really good at his accuracy is a big part of his uh, his fight style. I think because mm. even when again when he dueled Ashlad, it was very much to do with disarming Ashlad, and the, and then the crossbow guy was very much to do with disarming him because he couldn't without your fingers you couldn't use the crossbow. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And then. Even in the fight with Torkel, if we fought, if we go back there, he first he he struck the first blow or landed the first blow on Torkel in that fight when he slit it when he kind of slit his Got wrist. The back of his, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And he and that's when Torkel's first like kind of inner monologue moment came and he was like, mm. "Oh, you aimed for my like my wrist. That was that was good." Do you know what yeah. I mean? And he says it out loud. He's like, "You know what you're doing." Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it was yeah, man. I think I think Torfin's really um, progressing quite quickly. He's a little bit of a prodigy, if if we were to put it in that context. Yeah, totally. And then there's that lovely moment when he realizes that it's Thor's son, mm. Thor's son, and he, and he's like, clearly something. He knows who Thor's it. I don't yeah, know how I mean, or where or. It could, and and that's the, I think that's the fun of that part. I was like, oh, I wonder how, because they're both tanks. The late tours was was a tank. Do you know what I mean? Aside from everything, he's a gentle giant, but he was a tank though. Yeah. Like he's the one you send out first to wipe out wipe out the the first wave, and then then everyone else comes and you you you'd probably use that strategy in the same way that 
Torkel could be that guy, but obviously because he just loves to battle, he'd just be everywhere, I feel like. But they're both they both considered tanks, I believe. So in that context, I, I can imagine even if they don't know each other or knew if they didn't know each other personally, they knew of each other. Yeah, because everyone's gonna be like, Oh, you're big. You know you what I mean? Fight exactly. Yeah, Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I feel like they would know of each other. Like everyone mm. in every every like a player in sport would know of another player in sport who is just a prolific but in a different team. So they know what they're going to be up against if they ever do fight, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If they ever do get into it. Like, I feel like it's like a mutual kind of respect of each other. But it feels like Torkel and Thoros went, like, in opposite directions. Like, mm. where Thoros was like, oh, this is yes. pointless. Yes, like, yes, why yes. are we doing this? And Torkel did the absolute opposite thing. This is, this is my everything, do you know what I mean? This is my passion. This is, this is art to me. I feel, like, I feel like if we get an opportunity to unpack Torkel's motivations and inspirations behind war and battle... I think it will be quite poetic to listen to him speak about it. I think that will probably be one of the only things he doesn't speak about in a blunt, kind of crass way. You see, I, I beg to differ. I think he's just been hit in the head a couple too many, too many times. times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I think Ashalad's like that. Like, I think Ashalad's like his, yeah. his Gandhi experience. He's got it all. But Thorkel, I'm like, oh, no, you're just an agent of chaos. You think so? Yeah, I, I think he's going to, I think he'll surprise us. I think he'll have something really profound to say later on. You know how I reckon that. He is just an agent of chaos. Yeah. Because I, I reckon that he and I are very similar. You're very similar. Yeah. <laughs> you just want death. I don't mess around just, you know, because I've got a purpose. I'm and not trying war. to step anyone up. I just think it's funny. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Bit of blood and gore. Never hurt anybody. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it definitely didn't hurt Torkel when he got his two fingers cut off his hand and then he used that same hand. I think I mentioned it earlier, but he used the same hand to... <laughs> To wave yeah. farewell to to Torfin after he was about to completely crush his entire physical being. Yeah, I wouldn't even wave if I had a splinter. Bro, I I might just not even wave because I've just had a battle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I might yeah. just be tired. Like you've lost your hand and then you're just enthusiastic. It's, it's like thanks for visiting us. I appreciate you. See, Come back that's soon, why okay? I think he's an agent of chaos. Yeah, like, for that real, is, man. Like, that is not the the response of a man who's going to come up with something profound. It's that not. is a response of someone who is like, I I haven't even noticed that I'm spewing blood everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Hand. Like my hand, like it's almost like it's happened before, and it's not. It, this is permanent. It's like it's a permanent injury. You're not going to grow your fingers back. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like how how have you just not even acknowledged that? What kind of monster must you be to not even acknowledge that somebody's cut off two of your fi two, <laughs> not even your little finger? He's like, oh, okay, damn, I can do without. I can, I can get on. Yeah, you just cut like that's a lot of fingers. Yeah, that's a lot of fingers. But yeah, he's he's an he's a beast. He's a beast. We sort of end as well with Torfin feeling pretty sore about himself again, <laughs> having yeah. lost another battle. He's broken a few ribs and. And fractured an arm or whatever. Ashlad and his lot are all sent off mm -hmm. to Wessex. Mm -hmm. And when we join Thorfinn and he's like feeling sorry for himself, mm -hmm. there's that moment where, you know, he, he starts begrudgingly walking along with all the people marching to Wessex. He pops his shoulder back into place. Oh, it's so place. cool. It was like, oh, what are you? <laughs> it's almost like Ashlad looks at him in this kind of really condescending, like with this prophetic stance of like what are you done is that you yeah do you know what i mean yeah. like, you, you finished now you're done with your little temper tantrum 
and he pops his shoulder back uh. into, into just in front of him just to show him, bro, like I'm always on smoke, even when I'm like this. Yeah. Don't ever get it twisted. We're far from done. Yeah. He just pops that back in and just limps off with his with his broken ankle or whatever. Like what an absolute he might be the smallest tank of the whole show. Like I feel like oh, he's also totally. a tank. Like I don't know what kind of willpower that is, boy. He's surviving. But then there's that moment, isn't it, where he, he you can he overhear the other people talking about all their wounds and battle scars and stuff. Mm. He's obviously really hurt. You can see the anger seething under him. Mm. And also just the anger at like Thorkell as well and mm. what, what joy he got from fighting. And, and it's that first moment where he's like, like, why would anyone enjoy this? Like yeah. it's, I'm paraphrasing, but he's, he's so, it's that first moment where you see a little bit of what might've sent Thor's down that route to realize it's not worth it. Definitely. That was a very important moment of the hinting at his development as a character and how he is actually towards his son. Do you know what I mean? Maybe not even realizing that he's learning what it means to really take a life. And I think I think that was a very yeah, extremely important moment to his development as a character. So uh, we'll pop into our quick fire questions. Quick, 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 quick fire. Yeah. Is that, right. I think that was the best one so that far. That was a good one. Thank you. All right, hit me, Shay. Favorite character? Thorkel. Yeah, I'd agree. I think he's just the jolly giant. And after, the, after that finger situation, I was like, "You, I need to see you fight again. Him That's waving gonna... off was what got me. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm si sign me up. Yeah, I want to see more of this. Word, word, word. Same. Yeah. Definitely Thorkel. What about your least favorite character? Canute. Oh. We haven't seen a lot of Canute. And I, he seems to be quite important, but I just don't know why yet. So mm. I just don't really get it. So I'm just like, why are you here? Similarly, mine's uh, King's Vane, but I think mm. that's because I get more of a uh, a jerk vibe from him. Yeah, he's a bit of a he's a bit of an ass. Yeah, yeah. He, he comes across that way anyway. Favorite scene? It's the Hulk moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whereas I like, smash, smash, yeah, smash, smash. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a nice bit of comedy in, yeah, in yeah. an otherwise pretty gory fight. And he also picks him up and says, well, "Oh damn, are you are you it's dead? Like Ragdoll? You dead?" Yeah. Bro, did you die, bro? That's crazy. <laughs> Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, he wasn't yeah. just smashing he's him. He's still got a dagger through his hand. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know how... Yeah, he's a he's just a beast, man. Definitely my favourite character. I think my favourite scene was the moment Torkel realises that Torfin's got skills and he goes, oh. oh yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You realise he's got skills, you're like, oh, you got skills. And then the, the music changes and it kind of deepens and just a touch mm. that the tone just changes of that battle just a little bit and it gets a little bit more serious. Mm. And then, yeah, he engages a little bit more and I just found that really exciting. So yeah, that's, that's definitely my favourite scene. That was good. Uh, what about most epic moment? The finger cut has to be. Has oh to be. yeah, yeah. Has to be. No, 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 not the finger cut. The face he makes following the thing the finger cut oh yeah do you know what i mean where he like so he cuts the fingers torkel lets go of him and he backs off into the into the edge of the edge of the bridge where there's like a big gaping hole from where he smashed him through it oh, like yeah. maybe seconds earlier and you see this kind of cornered animal look on his face that torkel seems to really identify with and he's like i can see it okay he's like again he has another moment where he's like oh okay you're you're really a warrior yeah what's your name do you know what I mean? Mm. That is that moment because that happens a lot in anime. Like the strongest of the warriors or, or the fighters won't acknowledge the names or the identities of the people they fight unless they have to take them seriously. And then they'll ask their name mid-battle once they realize that the, the power level that they're working with and they start to respect them based on that power level. So mm. then it's like, what's your now I'll acknowledge your name. So if I kill you, 
I can still speak highly of you as I walk forward. Wow. Do you know what I mean? You know, if you give me like a scar and say, oh, how did you get that scar? It was from a warrior called XYZ. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, also, it's a way of showing off. Yeah, facts, facts, yeah, facts. Yeah. So you, you get to talk about how you killed strong warriors and stuff. That's so good. It works both. Good PR. It's good PR. It's that good marketing. Good PR. My favorite was the Kill Buster. We've seen all the English soldiers and stuff chucking rocks and everything. But yeah, yeah, then yeah. Red shows up with that Just massive, that massive boulder. boulder. That was and like, insane. And that moment where Floki's like, oh, no. Yeah, like, yeah. that for me, I was like, this is epic. That was a this very cartoony moment. Like, like, And he's like, turn the ship quickly. Ah. Yeah, yeah. But he's trying to keep his combo. He's like, bro, turn it quick. Come on, come on. Hurry up now, yeah, now, yeah. now. You know what I'm saying? He's like, bro, they're gonna, <laughs> this might be us. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a so dope I'm moment. not good at reversing. <laughs> My most epic moment. I think was the popping of the shoulder. Quite a subtle moment later on in that episode where Torfin doesn't let go of anything after his fight with Torkoal. Because remember, he's actually meant to bring Torkoal's head, head, head mm. back to back to Ashlad. Do you know what I mean? And Ashlad fully knows that's not the case. So yeah, I think the popping of the dislocated shoulder is my favorite um, or my most epic, epic moment. I just found that to be great. And last one is what question do you most want answered in the next episode, Beck? I want to know if we're ever going to see the faces of the Danish royals. If we're ever going to see King's Fane or uh, Canute's face. Canute's face and that. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe we'll see Canute's face. I'm still holding out for a moment where Canute takes off the helmet and mm. it's like that bit in Lord of the Rings where Eowyn takes off, like she's fighting the Witch King mm-hmm. and Witch King's like, no man has ever killed me. Or whatever. <laughs> she takes off her helmet and she's like, I am no man. And you're like, yeah! <laughs> I love that. I love that. I mean, considering that we learned today that Canute really was a king, yep. I doubt it. But, you know, artistic license. Word. But what question do you want answered? Uh, I need Torkoal's backstory. I need to know why he's so nuts like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I definitely need to understand how we got At there. At least find out what his backstory is with Tors. To, together, they were probably unstoppable. Two tanks side by side. One loves war, one hates war. Oh, that sounds the like the original a, Lord couple. Do you know what I mean? I'd watch that sitcom. Yeah, man, that's like another spin-off. Do you know what I mean? Torka wouldn't clean up after himself. And Tors would just be like, do, do you know what I mean? Like one of them super domestic, the other one just super lazy and mm. like just yeah. Anyway, there's a few spin-offs. There's mm. a few spin-offs we got here. Some 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 content. But yeah, I want to see what his backstory's like. And that's a wrap for today, guys. Uh, to quote Torko, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, next week maybe. Join us as we contemplate the end of the world, aka Ragnarok, aka episode 10 of Vinland Saga. And we'll also have a companion for that contemplation in the form of YouTuber and anime liker Mark Fitzpatrick, aka Totally Not Mark. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anime to Z. And if you liked what you imbibed, rate, review, follow and subscribe. And don't forget you can all watch Vinland Saga right now on Prime Video. That's Prime Video. Animator Z is a Little Dot Studios production for Prime Video UK. The show is hosted by Shailingo and Beckham. It's produced by Nicole Davis, Jake Cunningham and Harold McShill. With production coordination from Ellie Aitken and editing by James Payne. With additional research by Ren Skateni. If you've enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and wherever else you get your podcasts. 